This is the TJ Show. I don't know why I keep finding myself drawn to this, because I know it's bad for me. But isn't that how bad things usually are? Yes, yes, that's how it works. We've been talking about how we want to avoid the robot takeover. We don't want artificial intelligence to intrude into our lives any more than it already has. And yet, there's this software from OpenAI, it's ChatGPT, you know what it is. You type in questions and then it gives you an artificial intelligence answer. Yep. And I'm just shocked at how time after time we ask it questions and the answer it spits back at us seems to make a lot of sense. That's why we keep going back to it, TJ. Yeah, like I, I keep wanting it to be wrong so yeah. we could say, ah, look at that, it's, it's dumb. Mm-hmm. But something happened when I woke up this morning. My wife, Jess, said to me, why is it so warm in our house? <laughs> and I said, Jessica, I am wearing a winter coat to bed. Okay, I literally sleep in a winter coat because my wife keeps the room so incredibly cold. And on top of it, she's got a fan pointing at the bed. So not only am I freezing from the temperature, but then it makes it even colder because she's blowing a fan because she needs a fan sound to go to sleep. It's a frozen tundra in that house. And I'm like, what is going on? How could we be so different on this temperature situation? (laughs) So I asked ChatGPT the question. I call him GPT. I said, hey, GPD, I woke up this morning and my wife told me she was overheating in bed. Meanwhile, I often have to wear a winter coat to bed to stay warm because I think the house is too cold. I want to be a nice man and let her have her preferred room temperature. What is wrong with my wife? And am I a nice person or what? So I want to see what chat GPT is going to say about this. It's not uncommon for individuals to have different preferences when it comes to room temperature. Mm. Your wife feeling overheated in bed while you feel the need to wear a winter coat may Maybe due to differences in your individual temperature preferences or even differences in how you regulate your body temperature. Oh, so I guess we've just got different engines. Yep. It doesn't necessarily mean that something is wrong with either of you. Are uh, you sure about that? <laughs> to be a considerate partner, it's a good idea to find a compromise that works for both of you. I suffer for everyone. Well, you wearing the coat is a compromise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, I'm so cold. And then she has the audacity. Not that I, listen, I love my wife. She's great. But this is a rude thing. Like, I like to cuddle with Jess okay. as we're falling asleep or in the morning. And she goes, oh, the coat doesn't feel good. <laughs> The coat doesn't feel good. I need the coat to survive and not wake up with hypothermia. So I'm sorry if you don't like the feeling of the coat, but we've got a problem here then that has to be addressed. You could consider using extra blankets or adjusting the thermostat to a temperature that is comfortable for both you and your wife. Oh, trust me, I use extra blankets all the time. I've got an extra blanket on top of our big comforter. Open communication is key in relationships, so discussing your preferences and finding a solution that accommodates both of you will likely lead to a more harmonious living situation. Yeah, I wonder... If Jess would be open to doing anything to adjust, like I've done all the adjustments. Being a nice person is not solely determined by how you handle temperature preferences, (laughs) but your willingness to find solutions that make both you and your wife comfortable is certainly a positive trait. Ah. It shows consideration and a desire to prioritize each other's well-being. So I am desiring everybody's well-being. So that's a good thing. I've got a positive trait, Jay, but I'll take it. Yes, you do. I'll take a win where I can get it. So in the meantime, until we come up with a solution for both of us, I'll just be cold. Or you could just listen to ChatGPT and talk to your wife, Jess. No, I've tried. (laughs) I've tried. You think I didn't try that? Of course I did. She doesn't want to hear it. Jaybo, 
What's up, TJ? I had so much fun hanging out with your husband, Archie, while he was in town. It was a nice stretch. Yeah. I mean, I, I wish the stretch was longer. I, too, had fun hanging out with him as well. He is active in the U.S. military. We know that about J-Bo. If you're just tuning in for the very first time and you're just learning that, we're, we're so grateful for Archie and what he does for our country. And one of the things that J-Bo is doing constantly, she's sacrificing too. They live apart. Mm-hmm. They live far away. And so yesterday was the day where you dropped him off at the airport yep. and he flew back to his military base. Yep. And I, my heart feels sad for you. And then the next day, like, I don't know exactly what to say other than... I think the common thing is when someone's going through something tough, you try to justify it for them. <laughs> yeah. And I already started speaking out the sentence and I caught myself halfway through <laughs> and I was like, oh, look, I did it again. Uh-huh. I'm trying to talk about why it's great that like, I'm like, no, well, it's not that great. Yeah, I, I don't think, know. I don't know what to say. I think people do that. I mean, I found myself doing that too in other situations, but I think we do that as humans because it makes us feel a little uncomfortable. So then we try to like bring some light and positive to it instead of just being like, it kind of just sucks. No, you're right. Because thinking about being apart from my wife, Jess, mm-hmm. it sounds like a very challenging putt for me yeah. personally. Now, she might like it a little. She could use a little vacation. She huh? could use a vacation <laughs> or two. But, you know, I so I, I do feel for you. Yeah. And I also do feel hopeful that at some point you guys will be in the same area again. And it's been, what, four years uh, it's been 1,248 days. There you go. So you know. <laughs> yeah. And and I see, like, you're you're so uplifted, I guess would be the word. You, you've you got this glow around you when Archie's in town. Yeah, my life is so much easier. And you still have a glow when he's not in mm-hmm. town. But I, I notice it. I notice that there's a little bit of a difference. And because we were talking this morning and I was thinking about it, mm-hmm. what would you say, if anything, this challenge, what good has come out of this challenge that you guys are living so far apart so consistently? Yeah, it might it might be hard to see the good. I think some days I have to remind myself of the good because I can be focused so much on like what's been so difficult with him not being around. But as far as the good is that when we are together, it really helps me just focus in on him. For example, you hang out with your friends and I see it because I've done it too. And you're on your phone. Right. Instead of giving that person in front of you all their time and attention. Because you just assume they're going to be there. Exactly. So when Archie's home, I'm like, nope, like my phone is not important. And I've also learned that I've grown to be more patient and more gracious with my husband, where I am encouraging and positive, but I am a feisty little Puerto Rican. And when (laughs) and usually I will be quick to respond or to pop off. But now I'm just kind of taking my time to listen to what he has to say. And it's made the communication between him and I so much better. And he, it makes him feel like it's a safe place for him to just expose what he needs to expose and share what he needs to share with me. That's so cool. And that is such a gift. You know, thankfully, my wife was way more emotionally intelligent than me when mm-hmm. we met. And, you know, I maybe was afraid to bring up certain things. Now I don't have any fear yeah. with just putting it out there because she's gracious. So yeah. if we can be gracious, what an amazing gift to the relationship. So that's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. And, yeah. that's, and that's one of the things that I love most about you is that you can take even the most challenging situations and turn it into something that is actually beneficial for our lives. And can't all of us do that? I mean, yeah, I think the reason why I've been able to now do that is because there was a time in my life, maybe about 10 years ago, where it was such a dark place for me that I didn't think the turnaround was ever going to happen. But here we are 10 years later, and the turnaround in my life has happened. I've seen seen it over and over again. So it gives me hope to know that it will continue to turn around. Good things will continue to come. Well, thank God. And I can't wait to see Archie again. He'll be here before we know it. That's right. And I'll only try to hang out with him a little bit so you can keep (laughs) him all to yourself. This is the TJ Show. 
Yeah, the people you hang out with, they have an influence on you for sure. Oh, take, yeah. Take a look around. Well, there's a quote that says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Mm, yeah, it's very weighty. Well, you know, I've been rocking my Stanley, which is this tumbler that's yes. way overpriced. I got it for a gift, uh-huh. but apparently everyone and their mother has one of these. They too got it for a gift. And Kenny is feeling a little left out, even though he just got a brand new tumbler for Christmas, right? Yeah, but it's not a Stanley. <laughs> Every video I see on Instagram, like literally every other video, has something to do with Stanley. I think I'm being influenced. I really want a Stanley Tumblr. He's feeling the pressure, and so he hit the streets. And just, and I think this is a very wise thing to do. You get a bunch of opinions, you gather information, and yeah. you see, is this the right choice for me? What would you say is a reasonable price to pay for a cup that you drink water out of? A reasonable price for a cup? Yeah. <laughs> it should be free. <laughs> These tumblers... I mean... Five cents. Well, let's say let's say it's a reusable cup that holds thirty to forty ounces worth of liquid, and it'll keep it cold or warm pretty much the whole day. Uh, I have no idea. I mean, if it's a couple bucks, five dollars at the most for something that'll keep it cold all day. See, five dollars. You would never consider spending like thirty to fifty dollars on a no. cup like that. No. Have you heard of the Stanley tumblers, the Stanley cups? No. Oh, good. I feel relieved. Someone hasn't heard of it. I have not. I really want one. <laughs> I see him on Instagram constantly. Okay. I mean, do you have another cup that you normally drink out of? Yeah, as a matter of fact, I have a really cool one. How many do you have? That's one. How many do you have total? Huh. I have uh, I have a Yeti. Right. <laughs> so you wanted it when it was popping. Right. Um, that I, I had like a different style, but I have like other kinds of reusable cups. So, too. Four? so like four or five. Four. So you probably know. five. He's embarrassed to say five. But like for like water purposes, I have three. Five tumblers and he wants another one. Can you believe this? This is the world we're I can't in. judge him. I have 136 pairs of sneakers. Yes, I know, but we're not and talking about more. that. We're not judging you right now, Jay, but we're looking at Kenny. Uh, it's Harry Potter themed. Okay. It's a Slytherin corksicle tumbler. Okay. If I have one of something and it works, I kind of just like wear it. So no need to spend another $50. That's how I feel. But it's good to know that, you know, if my car does catch on fire, that my drink will still be cold. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't argue with that. Yeah. Well, you could. Your car is <laughs> probably not going to catch on fire. Lord willing. And uh, there, we did go through some wild justifications to get what we want, don't we? Well, it's gotten worse. I mean, even Fisher Price came out with the Stanley Cup for kids. What? For toddlers. Get out of here. I'm dead serious. It's called Laugh and Learn. Do not tell my kids about that. It's I want insane. that. No. Why? You want that? <laughs> looks like fun. I'm looking at the photo on Jabo's computer. Sir, if you need to spend $300 to drink something that makes you happy. Yeah, there are some that are going for that much on yes. eBay, right? Yeah, the resale ones like the Target exclusives or the Starbucks exclusives. $300. I would find a bar. Find a bar? Find a bar. <laughs> yeah, bar. I guess that could be... You like bars, right, Kenny? Yeah, yeah. Well, I can't really talk you out of it because I kind of like to have one, too, if they make them in, like, this color pink. Okay, so you're not going to talk me out of it. If it was the right color and it was big gulp size, yeah. I'm not going to talk you out of it. Go right. for it. Looks like I'm getting a Stanley. Get your Stanley. Don't do it. I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? I really want one. I'm jealous of yours. I think I would get a bigger one. No. <laughs> Just so he can say his is bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Then uh, you met this guy. You know my name, Stanley. He met a Stanley. Hey, Stanley. I'm talking to a Stanley. Yes. And you don't have a Stanley Cup? I don't have a Stanley Cup. Oh, well, see, now that's a crime. Yes, Producer Heather. Aren't all of his cups Stanley Cups? Touche. That's good, that's good. That is a great point. Yeah, that's good. This is the TJ Show. Oh, here's a shocking headline to read. 
There's a study that shows you truly can't unplug from work. Oh, yay. But this is going to be encouraging, and I'll explain why in a moment. There's a study in the Journal of Applied Psychology. It dives into the pressure felt by workers that keeps them from truly being offline. Think about it. We're online, on our emails, on our phones all day long. Then we go home. And we're checking emails, and maybe we see an email pop up from a boss or a manager, and we often feel like, well, we got to respond. Mm-hmm. The university professors observed nearly 200 full-time employees. They wanted to see how they managed their time away from their job and how burnout reared its ugly head. I'm glad there are people who care about this, yeah. that they actually research this. They found the more employees detached in the evening, the more shame they felt at work the next morning. The very experience that's supposed to rejuvenate employees made them feel bad about themselves instead. Almost like they were problematic employees. Mm. All because they wanted to just go home and live life. This is uh, what these study authors are saying in this piece in the Wall Street Journal. Study authors also pointed fingers at managers Although your managers may preach to make your own time be about you, they're sending emails and messages after hours Mm. and making employees feel like it's just the norm of the business. They're also pointing at managers who reward or glamorize overwork and that they're also contributing to the problem. And so what do you do about this? It's kind of the mess that we've found ourselves in. This is how the world generally is in most workplaces. Mm -hmm. And I think the big reason why we're so afraid not to get involved after hours is because we're afraid. We're full of fear about what could happen. Like, oh, worst case scenario, what if I lose my job? Well, is that really the worst case scenario? If somebody came to me and said, I can't unplug, here's what I would recommend to them. First of all, there's a great book. It's called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I've heard of it. This yeah. book will change your life and reading and gathering wisdom and researching, first of all, how employees are supposed to be treated, how we're supposed to get to know ourselves, how we're supposed to be more self-aware and what that does to empower us. Then we have to figure out how do we get fantastic at our craft, whatever line of work we're in. If we're in accounting, I always like to use that example because it seems like a boring job. Although <laughs> accountants are very important and I love them and we need I'm them sure in our lives. they're fun people. No, I know some very fun accountants. I'm friends with the multiple accountants. Some of my best Same, friends are- actually, yeah. You know what I'm saying. We get great at our craft, whatever it is. And then the synergy of doing all these things, the self-awareness, gathering wisdom, getting great at what we do, it empowers us to no longer be afraid. And then all of a sudden, some boss sending an email out after hours, we're not going to feel this pressure to respond because we know we're adding value to the workplace. And if for some reason they don't see that, let them fire you. See you later. Someone else will see that. Totally. Do you know how rare it is for people to do great quality work? Yep. I mean, that is one of the most rare things that I've found through the years of just navigating the different workspaces that I've been in. A lot of people like to cut corners. And it's sad that it's rare, but because the norm now is to cut corners, when someone does great quality work, you end up standing out. Like when you're actually polite, people are like, oh, you're so polite. It's like, no, this is nor- this should be normal. Right. Like this should be the standard. So it starts with us normal. Normalizing that, and then it empowers us, and then we're not afraid anymore. Yeah. So if we can eradicate the fear, then maybe we don't respond to emails after 6 p.m., and we can sleep well. Sounds good. And we can feel great the next day. That's right. Well-rested. What, what a great... Uh, thank you for the study. <laughs> I was out to lunch with camera guy Josh, and we got in dad talk mode. 
you have a baby, adorable baby Mia. Yep. And also, your baby has a wolf. She does. Yeah, like, you know, a full-size wolf. It's a German Shepherd. I know, and she is rough with him. I mean, she will pick herself up by his snout. You know, it's rough. This poor dog. She's got a fierce weapon. Yes. In Brady, your dog. At her disposal. I love it. My dog's getting a little old, so not much of a weapon anymore. Just a... You better stop it. Luna still has that in her. She's a little bit more of a vacuum cleaner, (laughs) which is fine. It's still helpful. You gotta feed the weapon. Yeah, it's helpful to the family. But, you know, we got talking, and you're still pretty new to all this, and you've seen that your life has changed drastically. Oh, yeah. How are you feeling after the one-year mark? where life once was very free and you kind of do whatever you want. And now it's like that freedom's gone. As any parent knows, it just, boom, disappears. Right. Well, I don't think before I had my daughter, I don't think I thought my life was going to change all that much. Like I was just going into it. Okay, of course, there'll be some added responsibility, like yada, yada, yada. But no, it blows up your life. Like it completely changes your life. Good things, but... Also, some things that, you know, I'm still trying to learn how to get used to. Yeah, it's hard to wrestle through this. I'm still struggling mm-hmm. with that part of being a parent. My oldest daughter is nine years old mm-hmm. because we want to just do whatever we want to do. And mm-hmm. when we can't anymore, that's jarring. It's grieving, actually. You have to grieve the life that you had. Yeah, would you say you can't or would you say that you don't, you don't get to do it as much as you used to do it? No, I think we just have to be super intentional about planning. Mm. Like one of the things that you express, which I totally relate to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. it's the hardest actually to find time alone with my wife. Like mm. that's, I think, what is the biggest difference is her and I don't just get to go out to dinner whenever we feel like it mm. because we only trust a certain number of people to watch our daughter. Yeah, and fair. we try to like save up, you know, the tokens so we're not asking people all the time. And we right. end up using that on like group gatherings and yeah. things we have to go to. So yeah. it's never really like just the two of us getting away and doing stuff. And that's really hard. Absolutely it is. And what I've started to do, at least, that has helped me, and I'll give you a great example. This just happened because it doesn't stop happening. Mm -hmm. Our calendar keeps filling up and filling up. And I noticed there was a stretch of like six weeks where we had everything every single day, every calendar, was, every day was marked off with something to do. And so I finally added something else to the calendar a bunch of weeks in the future that said, do not schedule anything on this weekend. Mm. And Is that, that for your wife, Jess? <laughs> that's going to be a weekend for Jess and me. And we're yeah. just keeping it open. We have to be intentional. Same thing with the reason why I now wake up early on the weekends. I'm up sometimes at five or six in the morning on the weekends because I know for sure there are going to be one or two, or maybe if I'm really lucky, three hours where I get to just focus on the stuff that I need to do for me. When the kids are sleeping in. Yeah, even my wife is sleeping. And there are things, and I feel better and I'm more peaceful because of that decision. I don't have children, but as I hear you guys talk, like I hear there's the joy of having children, but also Mm -hmm. there's like the grief of losing what you used to have. And there's something beautiful to be able to hold that tension of both things to say, yeah, having children has been a blessing. And there's some things I just really miss about what I could do when I didn't have kids. It's okay to say this is hard. Yeah. And also you mentioned tension. Tension is so important. Nothing can move forward without tension. That's right. So we have to learn how to harness this tension and we're going to do it. I mean, I'm in a way better place than I was when it first happened. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't even pick up our baby, which I hate to admit, but my wife said, you have to pick up your baby. A nurse yelled at me and said, you have to pick up your baby. Oh, yeah, okay, I guess. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> okay. I have to learn how to do this. And now I pick him up all the time. I find myself very much invested in some of these social media wars that are happening. Yesterday, Mark Zuckerberg, obviously of Meta, was on Capitol Hill. He was answering to the Senate 
about the dangers of social media. And it got really intense. Yeah. And I'm glad that this stuff is being called out because there are so many people who have suffered due to the way social media is set up. And it'd be easy to just sort of write it off and say, well, you know, nobody really knew. But we're finding out Mm -hmm. mm, some people knew what they were doing in the way that they learned about the way we think as human beings and they literally programmed their algorithms or whatever it is in their computer to treat it almost like a drug. Yeah. Like we've been consuming a drug in some way. Not almost, it is. A mental drug. A drug, it is, yeah. And so the drug dealers have to answer for their crimes, right? Yep. And so this is an interesting discussion that's happening. Listen to this. This is from yesterday. Here's some information from a whistleblower who came before the Senate, testified under oath in public. He worked for you. He's a senior executive. Here's what he showed he found when he studied your products. So, for example, this is girls between the ages of 13 and 15 years old. Mm. 37% of them reported that they had been exposed to nudity on the platform, unwanted, in the last seven days. Mm. 24% said that they had experienced unwanted sexual advances they'd been propositioned in the last Mm. seven days. And this is extremely weighty. You know, I didn't have social media when I was growing up, but I did find some stuff along those lines. And it's, you know, fun to joke about it and be like a little dude who's like, look at this. That did not have a positive impact on my life. I can tell you that Mm -mm. for sure. I unfortunately suffered in some ways because of that. But of course, I didn't realize it at the time. Now it's like, you know, that was the rarity. You were like the rare kid who found the pictures or whatever. And, you know, you tell your buddies, 37%? 17% said they had encountered self-harm content pushed at them in the last seven days. My question is, who did you fire for this? Mm. Who got fired because of that? Senator, we study all of this because it's important and we want to improve our services. Well, you just told and me a second ago that you studied it, but that there was no linkage. Who Senator, did you fire? You, yeah, I said you mischaracterized. 37% of teenage girls between 13 and 15 were exposed to unwanted nudity in a week on Instagram. You knew about it. Who did you fire? Senator, this is why we're building all Who these did you fire? Mm. Senator, that's, I don't think that that's... Who did you fire? Uh, I'm, I'm not going to answer that. Well, wow, this is like what happens in detention when you're rich. Because um, <laughs> I mean, you didn't is, fire anybody, right? You didn't take Senator, any significant I, I action. It's appropriate to talk about it, it, like individual it's not appropriate. decisions. In, Do you know who's sitting like behind you? It's Let me ask time. you this. Let me ask you this. There's families of victims here today. Have you apologized to the victims? Mm. Would you like to do so now? Well, they're here. You're on national television. Would you like now to apologize to the victims who have been harmed by your product? Show them the pictures. Would you like to apologize for what you've done to these good people? And then he turns around. I'm sorry for everything that you've all gone through. I'm sorry for everything you've gone through. No one should have to go through. No one should have to go through. Your families have, have suffered. And this is why we invest so much and are going to continue doing industry-leading efforts to, uh, to make sure that no one has to go through the types of things that your families have had to suffer. Hey, I'm glad it's being talked about. I hope that there's resolution and actual change. I'm glad there's effort. And some will say it's a little too late because those families oh, have yeah. already been affected. Oh, no. It's definitely too late. Yeah. Wow. Here, I thought I was doing a nice thing. Every morning, I've been being intentional about recording a video for my kids to see because I have kids they're all under nine years old 
and I, I'll go out and, you know, whether it's taking a quick stroll on the street or in the office, and I'll just do a check-in and I'll say, hey guys, how you doing? I'll tell them a little bit about what happened in my day so far or what's coming up. That's so and, sweet. Hey, can't wait to see you later. I just want them to know that I'm thinking about them because I yeah. think that that kind of a detail, really important for our kids to just know that like we're thinking about them, we're missing them. and. So I check in with them late last night, getting them ready for bed, and I said, hey, Charlie, that's my oldest daughter, did you get my video? And she goes, yeah, I got it. I said, what'd you think of it? I think it was good. If you could just keep it a little shorter, I think that would be great. <laughs> I'm like, you want me to keep these videos that I'm sending you? Yeah, they're, you know, they're a little long. She has things to do, TJ. I'm like, what is going on? Like, we are in short world now. You realize that, right? Yeah. Like between short reels, things yep. on YouTube, every, everything yep. is so quick, 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 quick. I mean, are we going to be able to connect with human beings anymore? Like give this another 10 years. I think you can still connect. People just connect quicker. Jaybo, you know, my video was about a minute long. Oh, that's too long. Okay. No, a 45, minute. 45 seconds. No, a tops. minute is not too long yeah. to send a nice, sweet message to your kids. But for the kids, it is too long, apparently. It's long for me. And what was so shocking is that the little kids agreed with it, too. They're like, yeah, it's a little long. It's like they're, they're a gang of feeling herders, you know? Like, they just come together and, yeah, let me see how I can hurt your feelings today. <laughs> yeah, you know what? You think you're doing something nice? You're not. They sound and, like mobsters. Yeah, seriously. Well, my, my, my middle one, I think, is sort of a mobster. Because, Stop. Well, be, you, know, you know how she is. She's spicy. Well, I go, hey, Willa, you know, unfortunately, that's not how you do this. And she goes, yeah, it is. I go, no, it's not. Yes, it is. Well, that's 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 kind of rude. No, it's not. Well, here, here's like, the thing. Yes, it she's, is. She's either going to be a leader of a gang or the leader or, or head of a, of a company. She's going to be CEO. Let's, <laughs> let's hope for the latter, okay? You're saying they're all rude no matter what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Assertive for sure. Yeah, I was just like, wow. Like, here, I got it. All right, I'll sharpen it up. I'll keep it a little tighter. I'll, I'll get a Spider-Man mask and I'll just hang out in the background and then you could talk to him as long as you want. Well, you know, That just they, sounds creepy. <laughs> they love Kenny so much and they're so shy around him because they see that he's like a little kid. Now, they wouldn't put that into those words, <laughs> but based on, because they listen to the show, not at this time, but they listen to the show and based on the things that they see him do, like riding the roller coaster sure. and recording yourself screaming. And then also, yes, because Kenny makes moo sounds and can you give me one of those real quick? <laughs> Right, I mean, it doesn't really sound like a moose. I don't know, it's debatable, but the energy is there and the silliness <laughs> is there. And they love that. They really appreciate it. So maybe if you're willing, would you be willing to record a good morning video to my kids for me and just keep it short? No, oh, I'll try. All right, you can let them 45 know. 45 seconds, Kenny. <laughs> yeah, if you can let them know what dad is doing today, I think they would love that. Yeah, I'll, I'll do it in moose. Can you do it right now? <laughs> yeah. Do it right now. Do it right now. Okay, wait, hold on. Let me turn this on. And uh, all right, here. So it sounds like. I'm going to record this right here. All right. Hey, Charlie and uh, Willa and Noah. So I know you wanted me to keep this short today. So I'm going to bring in a special guest to do one thing to check in. Kenny, go ahead. <laughs> there you go. 13 seconds just for you. Hey, Love you. you. There it is. Okay. Thank you, you Kenny. It. You're welcome. There's my video for the day. This is the TJ Show. Our news, it sounds a whole lot different around here. Our producer, Kenny, he reads through every story he can find, and then he brings us the most interesting ones. Kenny, what's happening on the planet today? Oh, well, Chuck E. Cheese is releasing a cookbook. Why? Why <laughs> not? Of what? <laughs> Are you sure it's not a menu? 
No, well, actually, like an extensive menu? There, there are different themed menus within the cookbook. It appears that this is something parents can get when hosting parties for their kids. So you have these different themed menus and you can cook the stuff that Chuck and his friends are suggesting. We're trying to work on broccoli and vegetables. Well, you can give them the broccoli and the vegetables with a slice of Chuck E. Cheese pizza. (laughs) (laughs) Balance, TJ. Cookbook is called The Chuck E. Cheese and Friends Party Cookbook. It's 128 pages, and it features not only Charles Entertainment Cheese, but his friends, too, like Jasper T. Jowls and Helen Henny, for instance. Chucky's full name? Yeah, he just messed up my world. I don't like that. Wait, his name is Charles Entertainment Cheese? That's right. That The E stands for entertainment. Sometimes Chuck is short for I Charles. I like not knowing things. Like, I didn't need to know that. I think that's impressive. I didn't realize he had a full name. That's no. awesome. Yeah. So Chuck E. Cheese is It fine. features items like pizza, of course, but also, like, for a Halloween party, for instance, mummy dogs, caramel vampires, scarlet spider brew, um, or maybe if you're hosting a slumber party, you can have a post-slumber party spread with breakfast pizza, cinnamon rolls, and French toast dip. Look at that. I love a pizza that's a dessert where they, they uh, what did I have? It was a Nutella pizza. Oh, yeah, I've had and, pizza. Oh, it is wonderful. It can't be great for you, but it tastes amazing. Of course it's not, but it's delicious. I also had a chocolate chip cookie pizza one time. It was just like yes, a big chocolate chip cookie. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Yeah. Kenny, what else do you have? You may remember this story from a couple of years ago where a 22-year-old FedEx driver dumped 400 packages worth about $40,000 into a ravine in Alabama. This was back yeah. in 2021. I remember when this story came out, I, I was waiting on a pair of sneakers, and I was like, boy, I hope it didn't go through <laughs> Alabama. I was like, please. It did it. Got a little extra streak on those shoes. <laughs> right. Seriously, well, I'd be upset. This young man has had his day in court, and he's been ordered to pay $805 in restitution. Did they recover the packages? They did recover the packages, but four out of the five theft charges were dropped. He pleaded guilty to one count, which was reduced to a misdemeanor. Essentially, this is a case of a judge being compassionate and lenient because this young man was dealing with a lot of personal issues. There's some humanity in the judging process. Got to respect that. Yeah. His lawyer said, we're very pleased that the DA's office in the county considered all the evidence and more importantly, the circumstances of this young man's life and his personal situation. People change all the time. I've seen it time and time again. That's wonderful. And he did own his stuff. He did say that he made some wrong choices. Yeah. Kenny, what else do you have? Restaurant workers and restaurant goers in New York City are largely backing a plan to get rid of the city's tip credit system. I'm not familiar with what that is. So this system allows restaurants to pay their wait staff less than minimum wage as long as their tips take them above the $16 per hour threshold. Oh, wow. See, I thought that you'd get a low rate as a server, and then you'd hope it'd be made up in the tips. Yes. so at least in the city, if it's not made up in the tips, then the restaurant would have to make up the difference. That's great. Okay. But they're actually trying to get rid of that. Most restaurant workers want to have a flat rate because in situations where it is a slow morning, like if you have the morning shift and there's not that many people there, the restaurants wind up pooling all of their tips. So whoever's working at night, again, the the wait staff generally, they just want to be paid a flat rate. And of course, restaurant goers are all for this because they're thinking this might change how people tip. Maybe a good tip isn't 20%. Maybe it's 15% or 10% in the future. Yeah, I've been to restaurants. There's, there's one in particular in New York that I love. And I noticed they like, they will rotate the wait staff 
the whole time. So it's always a different waiter. Like a different waiter brings the bread and then someone mm. pours your water. Then someone brings your main course. Then someone asks you if you want dessert. And it's like seven different people. And you go, well, you, you have to learn seven different names. Well, no, you, you can't, you can't tip one person. Right. So you would think that they're just splitting up the tips, which is not really fair to exceptional servers. Right. Sure. So it's a messy system. So I guess what they're seeing is that this would make everything more fair. And then yes, exceptional service would be tipped appropriately. The restaurants, however, are not fans of this. They think it's going to add $12,000 a year more to employ full-time tipped employees wow. if the credit is cut. Kenny, what else do you have? I live in an apartment building, but when I used to live in a house, doing yard work was my least favorite thing. And I would have only loved to know that this service existed. You could rent goats to eat the oh, weeds yeah. in your yard. Yeah, I've, I've learned about this. Uh, and they eat poison ivy. Yeah. They just devour it. And I'd much rather goat in my lawn than mow it. Well, I'm going to buy a couple goats and then I'll rent <laughs> them out to you. Yeah, seriously. They're awesome. Goats are funny too. If you want a funny animal, <laughs> there you go. That's right. <laughs> Kenny, what else you have? A 285-year-old lemon was oh. found in the back of an old cabinet drawer and auctioned Ew. for $1,780 in England. That had to be moldy. That's Who gross. Who wants that? I guess in that much time, a lemon turns into what I guess a leaf would turn into in a way, right? Like some sort of a... I, there's a photo of it, and it's still retained its lemon shape, but wow. it's like Get a, out. a brown color to it. No, that's what my, the lemons in my fridge look like after eight days. So how do we know this is actually over 200 years old? That's a great question. Well, the cabinet that it was in it was a 19th century cabinet that was brought to an auction house. A specialist was photographing this cabinet for sale when they discovered the lemon in the back of the drawer. The fruit was inscribed with the message given by Mr. P. Lou Franchini, November 4th, 1739, wow. to Miss E. Baxter. So Somebody wrote that <laughs> nine days before it went bad. It's an auction house? Maybe they put it in there. <laughs> right. Yeah. So the funny thing is this lemon auction for about $1,800, the cabinet itself, this 19th century cabinet, only sold for $40. Oh. Wow. I was at an auction this past weekend, and there was this bidding war over this big box. It was a big old wooden box, and it gets up to $100. I'm like, wow, that seems like a lot of money for an old wooden box. $200. Then it goes up to $350. What? And afterwards, I, I went to the woman who won it, and I said, you got to tell me. What's going on with that box? Why did you want that box? And she said, well, it's from the 1800s. And I like to clean it up and restore it. And then I appreciate the art of it. It's very simple and beautiful. And I was like, huh. 1800, that's, it's, that's impressive. It's also interesting to me that multiple people at that auction knew the value of it. <laughs> TJ's like, what is this? I had no idea. <laughs> did you make friends with that woman? She's right up your alley. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah, I was taking note. It was a very nice lady. Get her phone number. She, she was, well, no. I mean, she was there with her 80-year-old husband. And, I'm just saying, you guys no. can have a chat. <laughs> friends, have, TJ. Have a coffee. Men oh, and women can be friends. Like that, Kenny. Yeah, I'm not yes. sorry. Yes. Jess, of all things, geez. And if she happens to leave you in her will, Oh, that's not your fault. Hey, I got a new old you know? box. Genius. Hey. Absolute genius, Jabo. This is the TJ Show. 